Philippians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to talk this morning about something that uh, is um, not real popular. Uh, in fact, it goes against almost everything in American culture, uh, and that is the idea uh, of submission, uh, being submissive. Uh, we don't uh, we don't talk much about uh, being submissive. We don't teach our children uh, too much about uh, being submissive. Uh, if uh, you don't believe that, uh, ask a uh, police officer uh, who has dealt with any uh, of um, uh, America's teenagers uh, what they know about being submissive. We just don't, uh, it's just not something we, uh, we're real good at uh, as Americans, but it's a theme uh, that runs throughout Scripture, uh, and it's uh, a theme that uh, is talked about uh, all throughout, especially uh, the New Testament, that, uh, that we be submissive uh, to, the, to the power, to the leadership, to the will uh, of God. One of the greatest examples of that uh, is often uh, we are given the example of Jesus Christ uh, as being uh, submissive himself. Uh, and so uh, in this passage, we actually uh, have a different, uh, have two examples. We'll look at one this week and one uh, next week. We're going to talk this morning uh, about a young man that uh, you know his name, and his name is Timothy. Uh, and Timothy, Paul holds out to the Philippian church uh, as an example uh, of someone who is submissive. Uh, Timothy was both submissive uh, to Paul, and he was submissive to God himself. Uh, and Paul is wanting uh, to send Timothy to the church uh, in Philippi. Again, Paul is uh, still in prison, uh, and he wants to send Timothy to Philippi uh, to work with them and to help them, uh, to talk to them, uh, to ultimately get news about them and then bring back uh, to Paul to encourage him. Uh, and in doing so, uh, he gives us a, uh, a, a lifelong, lifetime uh, example uh, of being submissive. Uh, I know that, um, that some, uh, we, when, I, when I say, well, Jesus was a model of submission. Uh, there's some people go, yeah, but he was Jesus. Uh, yeah, I'm, not, yeah, I'm not Jesus. Okay, fine. So we won't talk about Jesus. We'll talk about Timothy uh, and how Timothy uh, exemplified uh, being submissive uh, in his life. And there's four traits here uh, that uh, show up uh, in, uh, in this little passage about Timothy uh, that teach us uh, what it is and how uh, we can become uh, a submissive uh, servant, uh, that we are willing uh, to set aside our own desires, our own pride, our own wants and will uh, to be used uh, in the kingdom of God. Uh, and, and that's a real challenge again because it's not something that uh, most of us were uh, brought up in. Uh, we, uh, we were brought up to be individual. We brought up, uh, I mentioned a moment ago, I asked uh, a police officer about dealing with our uh, young people. Ask an athletics coach, uh, coach of a football team, baseball team, uh, what it's like to work uh, with, uh, 
with uh, uh, young people today. It's just not something uh, that uh, is very uh, common. I was talking uh, with someone the other day about, uh, and we were talking about uh, high school sports and football in particular, uh, and they were complaining, saying, you know, they're just so undisciplined. They don't, you know, the team is just so undisciplined. They don't, you know, they don't follow the very basics. I said, come and won't listen. Yeah, I said, I, yeah, it's not the coach. I, I said, I'm sure the coach is trying to tell them. They just won't listen. Uh, I said, because all those, yeah, I don't know if you've been to a high school sporting event, uh, but uh, someone was telling me uh, about being at one here locally and said the coach had a group of players uh, on the sideline coaching them and talking to him, and the father of one of the kids that was in that group stood up and said, don't listen to him. You know what to do. Yeah, we're not taught submission in our, in our society uh, any longer. Uh, but this passage gives us uh, some, uh, some good direction uh, on learning to be uh, a submissive uh, servant. As we're getting in verse 19, Paul says there, uh, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus uh, to send Timothy uh, to you soon. Uh, so there we have, he wants to send Timothy, so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him. And so what we see here uh, is Paul uh, says something, uh, it's kind of under the radar a little bit, uh, but it's really important to notice what Paul says. Paul says, I want to send Timothy uh, to you. Uh, I had the privilege many years ago, uh, of listening uh, in a class uh, to Dr. Falwell's associate. Uh, and this sounds terrible, uh, I don't remember his name. Uh, and most likely, if I said his name, you wouldn't know it either. And very few people at Thomas Road Baptist Church uh, would have known his name. And the reason for that was, uh, the reason I was listening to him is because he was talking on this topic, reading from the second chair. Yeah. Dr. Falwell had a very dominant personality. If you ever met him, you ever around him, uh, you know, you knew he was in a room. Uh, but this gentleman uh, was behind the scenes doing a lot of work. I'm not taking anything away from Dr. Falwell. I'm just saying this man was willing to labor, to work, to work for Dr. Falwell, to work for Thomas Road, to work for the Lord without having his name on the television screen. Without having his name on the sign out front, he was willing to go behind the scenes and make sure Dr. Falwell was a visionary. Uh, and again, you may or may not like that, I don't care. Uh, but Dr. Falwell was a visionary. He stood on Liberty Mountain, and he looked at, at a big patch of nothing and said, we're going to build a university. He, he, you know, he said, I claim Lynchburg uh, for Jesus. I mean, he was a visionary. But, you know, a lot of times visionaries then leave the details up to somebody else. This man was that man in Dr. Falwell's life and did uh, a lot of the grunt work and the dirty work and didn't get his name uh, published a lot. Nobody talked about him. Well, that's what we have here with Timothy. Paul, uh, at, this, at this point anyway, now you and I know about Timothy uh, because there's some letters written to him uh, in the New Testament, but Timothy was kind of an unknown. Timothy was one, uh, you know, Paul was the superstar. 
Uh, but he says, I want to send Timothy you uh, to work with you. And Timothy says, I'll go. Uh, the first thing we have to understand and that we have to begin uh, to pray for if we're going to have uh, a, a submissive heart uh, is this idea uh, of, uh, of, again, being uh, having a, a servant's demeanor. Having a servant's demeanor. Being willing uh, to be a servant. Nobody wants to be a servant anymore. Everybody wants to be in charge. Uh, I'm sure uh, if you ask uh, Tommy about his business, uh, you, know, you ask anybody who, who works people, who has uh, employees, everybody wants to be in charge. I've shared with you before the story of the uh, college uh, registrar who kept getting applications in uh, from all these people who they've been the leader of this, the president of that, the chairman of this in high school. And, and, and they got one, red, one application in and the young lady hadn't been involved in anything, but she hadn't been the leader of anything, but she had been involved in a lot of stuff. And the registrar called the young lady himself and said, we would love to have you uh, come to our school and be a part of our institution because we get all kinds of applications from chiefs and presidents. We don't get a whole lot of applications from people who are willing to be followers. We don't get a whole lot of applications from people who are willing to be followers. Are we willing to do the, let's call it the grunt work, of the kingdom. Somebody has got to do uh, those kinds of things. Here's a, uh, an example of a young man, Timothy, who was willing to serve in second place, who was willing to, to, to go and, and do what Paul the superstar couldn't do. In fact, much of the reason that we know anything about Timothy at all is because Paul wrote to him. It is because, you know, we, we do know uh, that later Timothy became more influential in the church, but for a while, Timothy was just second fiddle. He was just maybe second fiddle. And I don't mean to demean Timothy. I'm not trying to, listen, again, somebody has to be willing uh, to serve. Paul is concerned about the Philippian church, that there are a few issues going on there. He's concerned about the church. He's concerned about the believers, and, and he needs, uh, he wants to minister uh, to the Philippian church, but he can't go. He, he, he's in uh, prison, so what can he do? He says, listen, I'm going to send my right-hand man. I'm going to send the next best thing. I don't have anybody else like you. I don't have anybody else like you. Here I am. I want you to think about that for a moment. Here I am in Rome. There are people everywhere. But I don't have but one Timothy. I don't have but one who is willing to serve. I don't have but one who is willing to leave Rome and come to Philippi and help you. I only can find one. All the things, all the places that Paul had been, all the work that Paul had done, all the churches that Paul had started, all the influence he had all over Asia, and he had one that he said, I can depend on and be willing to come to Philippi and work in the church of Philippi. 
Are we willing to be the one? Are we willing to be the one that is a servant that God sends? Listen, when we see Timothy had a, a heart here, a, a pastoral heart, one for the people. As Paul says again, I don't have anybody like him. Uh, Timothy was basically a man. And if you look at his ministry, again, Timothy was an important part uh, of the New Testament church. I I don't want to take that away from him. But by and large, Timothy kind of is a man who, throughout his ministry, kind of served in second place. You know, when we start talking about New Testament characters, usually Timothy's not one who, you know, really comes to the top real quick. We may eventually get around to naming his name. But Timothy is not one uh, who, uh, who just jumps up and says, yeah, Timothy. But Timothy is a man who was faithful, who was committed, and willing to serve. You've got to have a servant's demeanor. You've got to be willing to be used in whatever way. I, I see this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm having, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit in this adjustment. For when I when I first landed here, y'all had one of the youngest pastors in in, in time. Now I'm getting on the other end of that spectrum, and so now I'm one of the older ones, and I'm watching some of these young guys. And you know what I see? And I don't want to throw them all under the bus. And I see a lot of young guys, and, 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 and us, us older guys now, yeah, I know y'all don't think of me as old, I appreciate that, um, but I'm getting there. And we try to tell that some of these young guys that are starting churches, and these young guys that are, that are coming into the ministry, listen, you've got to be willing to carry out the trash. You gotta be willing to sweep the floor. You you can't just be the superstar in the podium. You gotta be, be willing to be a servant. You gotta be willing to serve. Listen, that's true from the pulpit to the to the to the church member. We've got to be willing. You know, everybody wants to be have their name in lights. Everybody wants to be the star. Timothy was willing to serve, willing to set aside his own desires, willing to set aside his own fame, his attention, any of those things. And simply, Paul, you need me to go to Philippi? Can anybody tell me what Timothy did in Philippi? No. You can't tell me much of what Timothy did anyway. But we know he was a servant. He had a servant's demeanor. Timothy had the same spirit as Paul. Not only did Timothy have a servant's demeanor, and this may overlap a little bit, I may be saying the same thing a different way. But not only did Timothy have a servant's demeanor, but he had a supporter's desire. But look what we see in this in the rest of this verse, in verse 20. He says, I don't have anybody like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. 
have anybody else. And Paul says, I don't have anybody else like him. Now he says, why? He says, because I don't have anybody else like him who would be genuinely concerned for you. Most people, where are most people's concerns? Right here. Paul says, Timothy will have genuine concern for your welfare. Timothy says, Paul says, he is willing to be a supporter. I like what John Philip says uh, about Paul and about Timothy. He says, men like Paul are rare in any age. He says, so are men who share, so are men who share his genuine, painstaking, self-sacrificing care for the spiritual needs of others. Timothy was such a man. Timothy was concerned about the spiritual needs of the church at Philippi. He was willing to go there and lift them up. Very rare is the person who is more concerned about the other person's spiritual well-being than they are their own. Very rare is the person who realizes and understands that my spiritual well-being is connected to those around me. The healthier this church is, the healthier spiritually I am. The healthier I am, the healthier you are. Paul understood that. Timothy understood that. Timothy understood that for the good of the church at Corinth, the good of the church at Ephesus, the church at Philippi needed to be a strong church as well. Do we understand today? How often do we actually pray for another body of believers and their well-being, their spiritual development? Listen, Timothy shows us what it means to be a submissive person. He was willing to do what it took to support and to help others become more like Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you a question off of that. In a little bit different vein to that. But I want to ask you this question. Do the people you run with, do the people you count as your friends, your closest friends, are they helping you become more like Jesus or are they causing you to move further from Jesus? And then let's take that question and let's take it a step further. Of those you run with and your friends, are you helping them become more like Jesus? Or is being acquainted and hanging around with you causing them to move further from Jesus? See, if we're going to be submissive, we have to be supportive. We have to be willing to help others and to develop their faith and to grow and to mature in their walk with the Lord. That we have to be willing to support and help others. Listen, it's not enough for me to sit out and say, I want to be as dedicated and devoted to Jesus Christ as I possibly can. See, I can't 
I can't separate that. I'm not as dedicated and devoted to Jesus Christ as I can be if I'm not helping Melissa and Tommy and Sherry come along with me. We are supportive. We, we take other people's help as, as well. Yeah, as, as we look around and, and think about this, he says, you know, Timothy had learned the art of putting others before himself. And it is an art. It is something that has to be practiced and learned because it's not natural for most of us. You've heard before, I'm sure, the word joy, the acronym, J for Jesus first, O for others second, and Y for yourself last. The secret of joy. Timothy understood that. Timothy was willing to go and, and, and to be part of and to help that church and support them and be willing to go uh, and, and support those believers. <coughs> One of the greatest minds of history. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. We must allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. To be interrupted by God. To allow God to, uh, to come in and, and to work in our life and to change our plans to put others first. Which leads us to then the third trait that Timothy displays. And that's a searcher's purpose. Look what he says in verse 21. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. Paul says, let's, let's take all this together. I don't have anybody like Timothy because they all seek their own purpose not the purpose of Jesus Christ. So if Timothy, if Paul is saying that nobody else is like Timothy, they all seek their own purpose, not the purpose of Jesus Christ. What is he saying about Timothy? He's saying Timothy is opposite of that. Timothy doesn't seek his own purpose. He seeks the purpose of Jesus Christ. Timothy wants to fulfill the plan, the will, and the purpose of Jesus Christ. Timothy is willing to set aside himself, his own desires, his own wants, his own wishes, his own plans, so that he can do the will of God. He's willing to, to set that aside. He's willing, he says, uh, to do that. To literally, and what he's saying there is that Timothy is obsessed with doing the will of Christ. You ever see anybody obsessed with something? You ever been obsessed with something? I mean, something just, you know, I mean, it just ate at you. You aren't going to be happy till you got it. You know, I don't know, for some of you, you may have to go back to childhood. Here we are at Christmas. It may have been that, that Christmas present that you just had to have. Yeah. It, it was that, that, that one toy, that, and you just, ah, oh, you just thought about it 
constantly. You know, you got the Sears catalog out. You just you circled it. You stared at it. And when the commercial come on the television, you know, yeah, you see that. Maybe some of you can't remember that, but you've seen that with your kids. They just obsessed with it. You know, just they they it just you know they get up in the morning talking about it. They go about it all day talking about it. They go to bed the, when they go to bed. You say say your prayers, dear Lord. You know that toy I want. I mean, they're just obsessed with it. You ever been obsessed with anything? Or anybody? Sure, yeah. All of us have at some point in life been obsessed with something. Yeah. I think about these people this afternoon. You know, there'll be people. You know, it's not quite as bad here, but some of those places up north today, if you turn on the television and they're showing football games from up, you know, New York, New Jersey, Green Bay, some of those places up there. There'll be people out there sitting there in shorts with no shirt on in 20 below temperatures with, you know, and snow on it. They're, you know, they're obsessed, maybe possessed. I don't know what they are. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're obsessed with it. You know, they paint themselves all kinds of colors. And, you know, they're just obsessed with their team. Timothy was obsessed with doing the will of Jesus Christ. All that the church today would have that obsession. Think about that for a minute. I want to give you some homework. Go home and take a piece of paper and answer this question. I am obsessed with fill in the blank. I am obsessed with. And if you can't think of anything to put in the blank, well, there's a problem too. You ought to be obsessed with something. It ought to be the will of Jesus Christ. I am obsessed with doing the will of Jesus. Timothy, Paul says there's nobody like him. Nobody else like him. He's not wanting his own name. He's not wanting his own fame. He says, I don't have anybody else like that. Isn't that a shame? In all of Rome, Paul says, I don't have anybody else that way. Let me ask you a question. How many people... Now, I'm not asking you to throw anybody under the bus, but let's just think about it. Many of you have been in church for many years. How many people would you name? If I were to ask you to name somebody, and don't do it, please don't yell out any names. Or I don't, you know, don't come tell me in a little bit. I don't want to know. I want you to think on this question. Name somebody that you can think of in, in your whole Christian walk who you'd say that person is obsessed with doing the will of God. Oh, let's make that question hurt. Uh, let's, let's make it personal. Is there anybody who, when they answered that question, put my name on the paper? When people said, I, the person I think of who is obsessed with Jesus Christ, did they put, is there anybody who put your name on their paper. I want to be obsessed. Paul says, Timothy is that kind of man. He learned to put others before himself and support and help others. I heard about a little lady um, who uh, 
Guy King writes about this in one of his books. He says there was, uh, uh, many years ago during the war, there was a, a soldier who was coming home from battle, from overseas. And his mother uh, was unable to pick him up. She, she was too old, she wasn't able to pick him up. But she sent someone to pick up her son. And the, the driver didn't know her son. And he says, how will I know who your son is? And the little lady says, you look for the one that is helping somebody. That'll be my son. Are we helping people in their walk with Jesus Christ? If somebody said, this is how you can identify them, because they're supporting and helping others get closer to Jesus. And then finally, Paul's last words here about being a submissive servant is this. A student's determination. Look at these last two verses. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son of a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Paul wants to send Timothy because he's already said, I don't have anybody else like him. He thinks like I do. Look what he says. He's already proven his worth. He is like a son to the Father. He is like a son following in the footsteps of his father. Timothy has become a student. He has learned how to serve the Lord. Listen, if we're going to be submissive, if we're going to be like Timothy, then we have to learn submission. It's not natural. As I think about this text, there are really two great examples in the Bible of submission. I want you to think about them for a moment. One of them is a yoke. Now most of us here today are not um, real agricultural minded. Um, I tried to find a good picture of a yoke to put on the screen for you, um, and I couldn't find one that I thought looked good enough and was clear, but I'm sure you've probably seen pictures before. A, a yoke is simply a long, you know, if nothing else, you watch the Western movie. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a long piece of wood, and it usually has two, like, U-shaped loops under it. And they take that yoke, and they put that U-shaped loop around the animal's neck and one on the other side. And that's how they, they, then they hook up the wagon or the plow or whatever to that animal to pull the wagon. Well, I want to remind you what Jesus says. Jesus says in the book of Matthew, he says there, what? Come to me all who are labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. I want you to, 
and, and I'm, I'm going to preach a second sermon real quick. He doesn't say, come over here you know, with an animal. What do you do? I'm sure CD over here is probably plowed behind a, an animal with a yoke on. So you have to go and get the animal. You have to put the yoke on. You, know, you don't walk out in the barn and say to your ox, to your donkey, hey, get your yoke. We're going to plow. Don't you look at you like you lost your mind. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, take it. Take my yoke. Willingly submit yourself to the yoke and learn from me. Take my yoke. Submit yourself, he says. Come alongside. Take my yoke. The yokes you see, you see one. They're, they're, they're one. And they have two hoops on them for two animals. Jesus says, this is my yoke. Help me pull. Help me do the work. Submit yourself and take the yoke. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, submission is not an option. Submission is not something that we can choose. Listen, submission is expected of a believer. But then the other great example of submission in the Bible is not just a yoke. That one, some of you, you may not recognize. You may not think about as much because, again, you're not agricultural minded. But the second one, the greatest example of submission we just talked about it a few days ago, a few weeks ago. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, where Paul writes these words about Jesus Christ. Being found in human form, he humbled himself in becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. The greatest example of submission is a cross. The greatest example, I started out this morning talking about, well, I'm not going to talk about Jesus because some of you say, well, that's Jesus. We'll talk about Timothy for a little bit. But I want you to think for a moment. Everything that Timothy demonstrated, that Paul said about Timothy, could be said about Jesus 10,000 times over. Come and humble himself. He didn't come to make a name for himself. He already had a name. He didn't come to do anything for himself. He came to die on a cross for you and I. He submitted himself to the will of the Father and came and died for you and I. Nothing to gain for himself. He is no more God today because he died on a cross than he was before he died on a cross. He is no more eternal. He is no more powerful. He is still God as he's always been. The cross was just a symbol of submission. And he did that for you and I. And so this morning, I want to ask you, a couple of questions. And I want to put a couple of thoughts in your head. You're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ personally. 
you've never asked him into your heart. You've never been willing to say, you know what? I'm going to submit myself to the Father. I want Jesus Christ to come into my heart. Whether you're online, whether you're in this room. Jesus Christ gave us the greatest example. He went to a cross for you. To save you. He didn't go to a cross to save himself. He went to a cross for you. Do you know him as your Savior? If you don't, would you come? If you're online, would you call, email, so we can talk about how you can know Jesus Christ? But the question again, second question that comes out of this text is for those who will say, I know Jesus Christ. Who I know I've been saved, which is the majority of people in this room. But the question is, are you submissive? Have you submitted your will to the Father? He said, Lord, it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I, who I want to be or what I want to do. Said, Lord, I want to submit myself and be used by you. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. You know, there's an old saying, some of you have heard this before, we often talk about God as our Lord and Savior, but the truth is, most people want Him to be Savior, but they're not willing to let Him be Lord. They're not willing to let Him be in control. They're not willing to submit themselves to, to him as Lord. Are we willing this morning to say, Lord, with all that is in me, I want to be I want to be submissive to you. I want to be obsessed with doing your will. Father, I thank you today for allowing us to be here. God, for your word that penetrates and pierces like a two-edged sword, right down to the very quick. And God, this morning, I pray that you touch our hearts. God, if there's one here today that has never submitted themselves, never been saved, never asked Jesus Christ into their heart, that today would be the day that they would come. God, for Christians all over this room, online, who need to Submit themselves to your will. Be willing to do your work, your will. To live by the words of your prayer, not my will, but thine be done. Now help us to be that submissive, which in Jesus' name I pray. I mean, as we stand together.